stories uh, so far are, are numerous. Um, since the conception of We Love St. Charles on October 12th, uh, we've been in 170 homes here in the city so far. And um, just the most recent is from uh, 6.30 tonight. One of our folks was delivering a coat because the person was not home. And, and uh, he was sh- just sharing with me that he, he delivered the coat and, and the woman was so excited and she lives on an apartment floor, and she's well-connected. And so she went out, and literally, he said, got all of her neighbors to talk about this vision of We Love St. Charles. And this gentleman was sharing with me that all of these folks on this entire floor want to volunteer with our next effort. Um, there are stories like that all over the place. And I'm overwhelmed tonight with, it, with the fact that, guys, this is just the beginning it's not a simple blip on a, on a radar for some sensationalistic feeling that we're a part of it. This is about the long-term gospel rhythm in this city and us, by God's grace, being a part of it. I don't know about you, I'm, I keep fluctuating between pure joy and excitement and overwhelmed. So before we do anything, as God continues to move, uh, can we... Can you guys join me in just asking God's help? Is that cool? Because I really believe that every time that we're together as a church, one of the things that we're going to have to ask constantly is that God would just, that he would just do it. Because it's going to be so easy to get burnt out. It's going to be so easy to try to rest all of this on our shoulders. Guys, I talked to six families today on the phone. I mean, it's going to be so easy just to, the weight of this to, Christ has done the work. He will continue to do the work. And we can all as a church rest and trust in the gospel, right? We can say that. Now, can we just join together and pray for that? Let's ask God's help tonight, all right? God, um, we're very excited about just even the chances we've already had to talk about you with folks and I pray mostly that, um, that you'll give us a very genuine love of the city, that we don't view it as a project, <laughs> that we don't see the people as just moving objects of our service, but that, God, that you would break our hearts for people just like us who are in desperate need of your grace. Overwhelm us with that sense. I pray, God, in the moments when we have no idea what to say or do, that you would give us tremendous wisdom and clarity. I ask, God, for your help. I plead as a church that you would reach down and give us strength in the face of a very difficult task. And God, by your grace, would you allow us to suffer? Would you allow us the privilege of suffering for your name's sake. We do pray that, God. In your holy and awesome name. Amen. Next week, we start a year-long journey in First Peter. Amazing book. It's going to be incredible. We've already mapped it all out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, a good journey for us as a community. Before that, we have one piece of gospel rhythm to close up. And I'll start here. Uh, how many of you have ever just had that that crew or that relationship, 
that just provided you a tremendous amount of just energy and joy, right? Like we've all had that in some way, shape, or form or another. And, and I know it's very different based on your gender, right? Like guys, guys, we can gather around an activity, whatever. It, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it can be a video game, a sporting event. It can be, t- it doesn't matter. Tiddlywinks. We won't say a word, you know, we literally will not even talk. And there's just this sense of camaraderie. I mean, it just, it, it's weird like that. Then for females, uh, they can gather around nothing, say a million words and feel the same sense of camaraderie. You know what I'm like? It's crazy how genderly, is, is that genderly? It's crazy how the different, you know, male, female, we express that differently. So here, here's what I've seen. I've seen the church thing come in and try to take these experiences that we have, and we all have at one point or another had them. And then we try to um, build some pragmatic version of what we've experienced over here to then have us experience it in the church. So when I was growing up, I grew up in the church and there was all these examples of smaller communities of people. Sunday school. How many of you guys grew up in Sunday school, right? Okay, me and Maya. Good. Um, You've heard of it anyway. You go to school on Sunday at a church. That's the concept. It's pretty brilliant. Now, I was a Sunday school teacher's worst nightmare for many reasons. Um, but growing up in that, like I was learning that this was one example. Then you, then you had the youth group. How many of you guys have ever been to a youth group meeting? Sure. Then the youth choir, then Bible studies. I and mean, you had all these different things. A lot of the time, what I noticed is that it was the church trying to take a cultural example that they had experienced. And then they tried to model it and then live it. If you asked the random person, so, so why small groups? Why would you ever want to be in a small group? Well, they would say many things. And I would, I would venture to say that most of you would say many things that are very, very practical. You would say, well, in a smaller group, I can be more vulnerable. Because in a smaller group, like there's this opportunity for me to really share and, and discuss my sin and wrestle with life. In a smaller group, I don't feel like I'm just a number. I feel like I matter. In a small group, I feel like I have a voice. In a small group, I feel like you're able to build relationships quicker. We would say these things, wouldn't we? Now, all these things, like they're true. The problem is the business world would say those exact same things. So why would you have a smaller team for a business? Because you, you have a voice. There's, you're not like one in 50, you're one in 12. What, well, why would you have a, a small group over here in this organization? Well, because you can be more vulnerable about some of your struggles within the company. And so in a lot of ways, as churches, we built small group networks that look exactly like the world. The problem is scripturally There are stark differences, and I'll begin here, and then we're going to look at seven different passages and work through a whole litany of things. A worldly relationship, listen to this, ends at loving your enemy. A small group in the business world minus Christ ends at loving your enemy. You see what I'm saying? Whenever you get to that point, there's no further to go because in your flesh... Outside of Jesus, there would be no reason for you to extend grace and love your enemy. Under Christ, loving your enemy is almost where love begins. Why do I say that? 
because Christ, knowing and, and seeing that we were still sinners, came and died for us. When we were enemies of God, he died, revealed it, showed it. Are you with me? So tonight, here's our deal. In our methodology as a church, we meet on Wednesdays, have Sunday small groups. I don't want a single one of you to leave tonight answering the question, why small groups or why community with because I can be vulnerable or because the amount of people makes me feel more comfortable. I want us to look in the scriptures and from the word of God and the minutia of theology that we will unpack, see what scripture has to say about community. Are you with me? So that's the question we're trying to answer, and we'll begin where it began in Genesis chapter 1. So open your Bibles to Genesis 1. If you need help on the page numbers, they're going to be up here on the screen for you. We'll be looking at several... Um, is it really page 1? That's good. Because sometimes they you know, don't account for the index and whatever else. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and you're going to have to stay with me tonight as we look through all these passages. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you know nothing about the Bible, you've probably heard this verse before. But this verse, outside of God being creator, is largely significant because it reveals the nature of God. The first reason that we have community, put this point up, is because it is revealed in the nature of God. Why small groups? Why community? Because it's revealed in the very nature of God. Let me explain. In the beginning, God. If you've been here for a while, you probably heard Jason or I at some point talk about this Hebrew word God. The word is Elohim. Now, Elohim is a plural word. Interesting, isn't it? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, a plural form of God. Implying that God is already Father, Son, and Spirit. That He is an eternal, communal relationship in and of Himself. Let me say that. That God is an eternal, communal relationship in and of himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now this uh, verse 1 is not the only place in Genesis 1 where we see this. Look in verse uh, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and over the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every, uh, by the way, this is very interesting to me, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Yeah, it's like, what are you, like, creep? Like, what? You know what I'm saying? Every creeping thing that creeps over the earth. But the interesting thing about verse 26 is what? What do you notice? It's the word what? It's the word us. Well, here's the interesting thing. There's not a Hebrew word for us. But the word for God there is the same. It's Elohim. It's plural. Father, Son, Spirit. So in the Hebrew language, you would look at this word for God and then the, what is us? Is that a preposition? What is that? Is that a? Appendices, what is that? Pronoun. pronoun, okay? The pronoun is then added because the object of the sentence is this plural form of God. God, in his nature, 
is community. And when he makes people in his likeness, he makes them, designs them to be made after community. That's why the first thing that scripture says is not good is it's not good for man to be alone because man was made to be initially like God as a community built for relationships. Now, this isn't the only place in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. This, the, the writer's talking about the preeminence of Christ. And it talks about how Jesus is the firstborn over all creation and in him all things were created in Christ. Well, hold on a second. We don't see the word Jesus in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 1, or uh, we don't see Jesus in chapter 1, verse 26, but he's there. Jesus is not an afterthought. He is there. Now, I want to turn your attention to one more passage. John chapter 16. Flipping your Bibles to John chapter 16 with me. The page number will be on your screen. John chapter 16, verse 4. I have watched the church and myself turn in moments when we have a brilliant opportunity to talk about the deep understanding of who God is in our lack, in our ignorance, I've seen us turn just to practical things that we can tangibly grab, grab a hold of instead of, Hey, so why do you do, why do you do small groups? Let me tell you, it begins with the fact that in the nature of God, it is this eternal communal relationship. In John chapter 16, verse 4, look at this. Uh, we're actually going to start in the middle of verse 4, so 4b. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or the spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We've talked about this briefly before. Do you guys understand what Jesus is saying? It's to your advantage that I leave. Which is, you would think, crazy talk. Like, Jesus, we long to be with you. We crave to be with you. And he says, no, no, no. I have to go because I have to go to him who sent me. Well, who is that? The Father. So I can send what? The Spirit. From the beginning, the very first verse of the Bible, all the way through, we see God as an eternal communal relationship. Pick up in verse 8. And when He comes, the Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me, concerning righteousness because I go to the what? To the Father and you will see Me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Father, son, spirit. Why community? Why small groups? Because the nature of God is built in it. Now, what happens? Well, God begins by revealing this community of who he is uh, to a person. First Adam, then Eve. Then what happens? He names a people group, his people, the Jews. 
Genesis chapter 12, he calls Abraham. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And from then on, we see God establishing his covenant with the Jewish race or the Jewish people. Problem is, the Jews, because of the fall, reveal their distance from God. That's why the entire Old Testament is preparing and waiting and pointing to Jesus. Because when Jesus comes, everything changes. In the Old Testament, God's people are the Jews. But when Jesus comes, listen to this, through the broken body of Christ, a broken, depraved people can be united with the eternal communal relationship that is God. Through Christ, we're united into this pre-existing relationship that is God. Do you understand? And that unity, my friends, is so incredibly spiritual that the world outside of the Holy Spirit cannot understand it. That's why as we continue to go through tonight, if you're here and you don't have relationship with Jesus, you're not going to understand the fellowship of the Christian brethren. Because that connection is so deeply rooted in the understanding of who God is. That if you don't know God through Christ, you cannot understand true community, period. Which I hope in the depths of your heart even now would cause you to long to know this Jesus. So that you could be connected to Father God. So community is revealed in the nature of God. Second point, put this up. And it is to be shown through the body of Christ. This is beautiful. Listen, um, how many guys like flowers? Any of you guys? Okay, a bunch of girls and Odell. Um, there's a story that cracks me up. One of my, um, my wife, Heidi, we were on this college campus. And the big stud football player's name was Brett Gross. Interesting last name, right? And uh, he was a tight end. All the girls, like they, their big thing was Brett, 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 you know. Even Heidi did that once or twice. I was like, what? Are we dating or what? You know, what kind of, you know. But they just, they loved Brett Gross. So she tells me this story one day about how Brett Gross is, is in the quad and he's on his, on his just knees sniffing flowers. And, and Heidi like talks about this, like he is like this, this man, you know, can you be, cause he was just on there and she said he's had the biggest smile on his face. And, and so I asked Brett about this um, later. I was like, dude, uh, you're a football player, first of all, a second of all, a man, third of all, don't ever do that again. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, but, but here's what he said. He's like, one day I was so, and this used picture like some kind of a, kind of the hippie generation saying this, but he's like, I just, I had to get close to the beauty he said, I was so overwhelmed by the beauty of these flowers that I had to just get up in it. The body of Christ, the concept of God being revealed through the body is so gorgeous. The problem is, is we come into this room 
with so much baggage from the church and our experience that we are troubled seeing beauty in the bride or the body of Christ. So for some moments, listen, can we just get on our knees and from the scripture just glean what this is to look like? All right, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This, this point too burdens me drastically because this beautiful union of God as Father, Son, Spirit is to be shown through Christ and because of Christ through the church. You guys understand this? And it's burdensome because we spend a lot of time bickering and biting and in quarrels with one another. And yet the body of Christ is to be the revealer through Jesus of the nature of God. <laughs> when we go out into St. Charles, do you understand what we're representing? By the power of Jesus, we're representing God as community. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You love that word eager there? Eager to maintain. Why? Because as the body... We, through Christ, are the revealer of that unity. I want to be eager to maintain this bond through the spirit of peace. The reality is, as many of you have spent a tremendous amount of time eagering your own desires more than eagering unity in the spirit. And so if someone doesn't provide you some advantage... Or if someone doesn't look at you as, as if you're great or worthy of their attention. Then we dismiss that relationship and create a barrier with the Christian brethren. I read this book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Have you guys ever heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Yeah. Um, and one of the things he says is this. He says, it is by grace and grace alone that we have the body of Christ. That's the beauty of it. We have this communal experience that through Christ is rooted in the nature of God himself. And we take it for granted, don't we? We take it for granted. We take these relationships for granted. We take all of the blessings of the relationships for granted. And we find ourselves in disunity. Let's keep going here in verse uh, 5. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit. You'll be overwhelmed here by one. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. 
Grace is extended in so many forms. If we would start understanding that the church, that community, is a tremendous revelation of the grace of God, do you understand how much more we would cherish it? We would long for the moments with our Christian brethren. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, without Christ, there is discord between man and God and between man and man. But with Christ. But with Jesus. We are brought into unity with the nature of God. Now, some of you may may hear that like, so does that make us equals? (laughs) Excuse me? You know? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as much as I'm quoting him tonight, like he wrote an entire book about, you know, no. We fall in humility by even being able to be called his children. All right. So look at this. Let's finish this up here uh, from verse nine and saying he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above, focusing on Christ, all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Some of you want to fly solo. You do. You enjoy and you've heard it before. You know what? I'm not going to, I don't need the church. What I just, you know, I just need my Bible. And I, you know, I just need whatever. I need a good CD player, even though those are way out. Like, I, that's all I need. I don't need the church. Those people, and maybe you, who desire to fly solo, even out of smaller communities, you don't want accountability. You ultimately don't desire fellowship. And what you're saying is, you ultimately don't want to follow who God by nature is. Just let me do it all by myself. That is anti-gospel. God is Father, Son, Spirit. And then revealing Himself through Jesus, building unity so that you could experience that too. Through the church. Jason and I... um, you know, we, we shared it many times throughout the four years, but there were points in both of our lives, man, when I was ready. Like, I, I, did, I wanted nothing to do with the church. I wanted nothing to do with it. I was tired of hypocrisy, anybody else? I was tired of seeing the same people sit in the same pews with the same stupid smile on their face when I saw their lives, and then they would be the first ones to judge some sinner because they weren't like them. I was ready to run from the church until God showed me that he's coming back for the bride. He's returning for the church. That's why when we planted Matthias's lot, part of our heart is being a part of the greater movement that is restoring integrity to the bride of Christ. So what does that mean? That means we here better not be run by gossip. That means we here better desire unity in Christ more than we desire our own idea of community. And and all of you have it. This is what true community looks like. This is what true relationship looks like. What we need to start doing is looking at God and saying, that's 
what it looks like. God sends Jesus and Jesus sends the Spirit to live in us through Christ. We're brought to unity with God so that we can experience this eternal communal relationship. Third point is this. It's revealed in the nature of God to be shown in the body of Christ to be experienced by the person. I had this group in college, and you guys have heard me talk about this before. We were called the Losers. Uh, it was a Bible study of men. A phenom- phenomenal name. We have t-shirts and uh, bumper stickers and whatever else. And part of the concept of this group is that we would come, confess our sins, and in this time that I was journeying with these men, there was this phenomenal sense in the community, but then in me, of being united with the Christian brethren. You see? Uh, here's what um, John wrote in Second uh, John verse 12. Though I have much to write to you, look at this, I would rather not use paper and ink. Look at what he says. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. That's a brother who sees the grace of Christian brethren. Oh, to see you face to face. I've got much to write, but I would rather just hold you and cherish some moments with you. Listen, this is in a land where you you don't hop in your ride. You know what I'm saying? This is in a land where it takes miles to get there. That's what I'm saying. We take it for granted because we have it. It's so accessible. And so when people ask us, well, why are you in small groups? Oh, because I can be vulnerable. Oh, because I can do all these things. All those things are true. But it's because of who God is that he's graced us enough through Christ to be able to cherish community. Do you cherish it? Do you long for it? Uh, turn with me to First, uh, First Thessalonians chapter two. Easy for me to say. First Thessalonians chapter two. I want to show you uh, two more instances of men in the Scripture cherishing this. In the case that um, the first was not enough. Page numbers on the screen. First Thessalonians chapter two verse seventeen says this. But since we were torn away from you. For a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? He's talking about this, doing this unified together. Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, we could not bear it no longer. We were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and extort you in your faith. That no one would be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it was to come to pass. And just as you now know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. These are people that understood the grace of Christian brethren. I long for it. I cherish it. 
I don't see these relationships and the body as something to be stomped over or taken for granted for because I'm fearful that someone will hold me accountable. These are brothers that saw the power of revealing the unity of God. That's our opportunity in this city. But what does the city see? A whole bunch of communities that are built on judgment, that are built on pride, that are built on hypocrisy. And so they get that distorted picture of who God might be. If that's God, instead, they need to see a community of people and say, no, no, you don't understand. Through the power of Jesus, we've been connected to the Father And we still sin and struggle. But let me tell you about the grace of the cross. And we get to continually teach and share the gospel, showing the unity that we have in Christ. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. One more passage in Timothy. I thank God, and I love to see a man cry here. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. This is Paul writing to his young disciples. As I remember your tears. Now, we can only let, we're only left to, be, uh, to assume here. Probably at the last time that Paul and Timothy saw, saw one another, there was some tears when they had to leave. Quick question. Uh, have, have you ever experienced that before, just leaving uh, this, this building? I don't want to leave you, but I have to. And you just begin to weep. That seems so far-fetched, doesn't it? You're like, well, you know, that's old school. You know, I had a journey a long way. We reveal how much we really need one another by, by, our, by our greetings, by our farewells. I long to see you again, but until the next time I stinking text you, we'll talk later. Our communication and our culture has almost corrupted our opportunity to be graced with one another. Uh, is he saying that texting is bad? No, okay? You've probably gotten a million texts from me, okay? Probably this week, you know? Not saying that it's bad. But I'm saying when we allow culture to completely define our methods of communication, then it diminishes the power and the grace that's shown in relationships. So he says, when I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois. Have you ever seen this in Scripture? When I was looking at this earlier, I'm like, dude, grandmother, this is cool. You know, I've read this passage, but it was, anyway, I guess for only me. And your mother, Eunice, don't name your daughter that. And now, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you, um, through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Oh, that last verse is all over bumper stickers. Now you don't understand the context. He's encouraging his brother. I miss you. I loved when we could unite. I remember your tears. Oh, and God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Why community? It's revealed in the nature of God to be shown in the body of Christ and to be experienced on the individual level in you and in me. That when we're alone, we crave to be together. 
And then what? Fourth point, to be taken to the world. To go to the world to reveal. Listen, without Jesus, without the power of Christ, there is no community. As much as people want to call things a city, as much as you want to call an organization an organization, without Christ, there is no community. But with Christ, we can go into the world. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. We'll close up here with this passage. A beautiful understanding of what it means to be in the world not of the world, and yet take this great message of unity to it. John chapter 17, verse 15 says this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. (laughs) This is Jesus in his high priestly prayer, but that you keep them from the evil one. He's praying this to the Father. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Just as I have been sent, so I am going to send them in the the world. To do what? To show how my broken body can take a broken people and bring those two things united in an eternal communal relationship with God. He continues in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be even one as we are one in verse 23. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. That their unity, their oneness, their communion, their fellowship, their relationships reveals the oneness of Father God. Why community? This is why we put such an emphasis on lot families. That we would provide homes where people could go and they could gather and they could cherish relationships and in our three distinctives that they could cease from their daily routines and regiments, that they could celebrate Christ through the word and breaking of bread and worship so that they could serve one another, so that they could serve one another and the city that we're in. That's the power of the small group and then the church and then the church to the world. That we would be revealing the union of Christ. So I need to talk to two groups of people. Listen, there's, um, there's some non-Christians, some people who don't believe in Jesus here. And um, can I encourage you with something? I know that um, the church has struggled in this way. And maybe you believe that to be part of the club, it takes something else 
outside of Jesus. But can I tell you something? First of all, it ain't a club. And second of all, it takes nothing outside of Christ. You don't have to look a particular way or be able to talk a particular language or be able to worship in a particular vein. You can have restored relationship with Jesus through his sacrifice. You can have that. And it only comes through relationship with Christ. That restored relationship with the Father only comes through it. So no matter what any Christian tells you or person who claims to be a Christian, no matter what they tell you, no matter what you've seen in the church, can I just, can I share with you, it doesn't take anything outside of Jesus. If that's you here and you're like, you know what, like I'm, I've, been, I've been craving to find true community, but I've been really confused by people because it seems like you have to be able to talk like them. No, you don't. No, you don't. Through relationship with Christ, you have restored relationship with the Father. It's beautiful. And then he sanctifies you like we just read. And, and yes, you do learn some theology and some ways to talk about Scripture, but it's not the language that saves you. For those of you in here that are Christians, are you revealing that it takes more than Christ? Are you showing this world that it takes more than Jesus to be part of the, what you've determined as a club? Friends, right now in the season that we're in, this is one of the most dangerous things we could ever do. Is show a city that you have to be like Matthias' lot to be a Christian. Only through Jesus, my friends, there is some deep repentance that needs to happen in your heart. Because ultimately, you're communicating that if that person doesn't give you an advantage, if that person doesn't provide you with worth, if that person is an enemy of yours and the list is lengthy for you, then they'll never celebrate in, the, in your Christian brethren. We as a church have an opportunity to answer why community from a biblical perspective and then experience it. And then all of the practical things, the vulnerability, the smallness, the experiencing life, the journeying through all those things, all of those are the benefits, but they're not the reasons. The reason why we will gather in this room and we will gather in homes is to remember Christ because it's through Christ we're brought into this eternal communal relationship. We need to repent. Because we've made it about other things. And then when people try to get in because they don't fit, we push them to the wayside. And people walk away and say, I want nothing to do with Christianity. Church, it's time to repent. And for those of you in here who don't believe, let me just implore you again. Would you talk to one of us afterwards so that we could wrestle together that it's through Jesus that you're restored? We're coming into an amazing season as a church.
excitement all around. This must be bedrock for us because I hope that this church, this building, and our homes aren't filled with folks that look like us. I, pr- I plead that. God, fill this community with people that don't relate to us in a social setting. God, please bring them so that we can learn ourselves the beauty of the grace of Christ found in the Christian brethren. Let's pray together.